kind of the way I feel this morning. But we will get through this. I'd like to ask if you would open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. As we continue our study through the book of Philippians that we've given it the theme, joy or joyful. And when you take a look at a word rejoicing or joy, it's mentioned at least 13 times in the book of Philippians. So if you ever want to get into a positive book, that's probably a book that you'd like to get into and study and read. When you think about Paul's circumstances, they weren't positive whatsoever. And yet he tells congregation that's not in prison. Hey, circumstances are great. They've turned out for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Attitude, attitude really matters, doesn't it? Attitude matters in our relationship. Attitude matters in our jobs. How we deal with our children. Every aspect of our lives is affected by the type of attitudes that we have. I appreciated the story I read about a little boy who enjoyed and loved baseball. A neighbor was observing him as he came out. The little boy came out of his house, had his ball cap on, his baseball cap on, had a bat over one of his arms and a ball he was tossing up in the other. He straightened that ball cap, took that bat, and he said to himself, I am the greatest hitter this world has ever seen. And he tossed that ball up into the air and he took a swing and missed. And he cried out, strike one. And so he straightened his hat one more time, took that bat, threw that ball up in the air, swung at it with a big old swing, missed, strike two. And looked at his bat because that's what you do if you're a ball player. You look at the bat. The bat fault. It's the fault of the bat. It's the reason why you're not hitting the ball. So he looked at the bat, kind of smiled a little bit, and he said, "All right, strike two. So he tossed the ball up again, swung at the swung at the ball, and missed it. Said, "Strike three. You're out." He thought about it just for a moment, and he said, "You know what?" He went down and he picked that ball up that he had missed. He looked up that, at that ball and he said, you're not the greatest hitter in the world. You are the greatest pitcher in the world. You see, it's all about a matter of attitude. That's what it is. Just a matter of attitude. The boy had a positive attitude. Thought he was the greatest hitter. No, made a change. I'm the, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. Struck a guy out. Kind of like the story of three Indians that got, to got together from three different tribes. One from the Navajo tribe, one from the Hopi or Hopi tribe, and one from the Apache tribe. And when they got together, they started talking about the power of prayer. And each one of them began to brag about how that their prayers with their particular tribe is greater than others. The Navajo said, you know what, guys? He said, look, we pray for healing, and we get it done 50% of the time. The Hopi Indian said, ain't nothing. He says, we pray for rain, and 70% of the time, we get it. The Apache said, you guys ain't got nothing over our prayers. He says, we have a prayer sunrise dance every day, and it comes up every day, 100% of the time. Attitude. It's all about attitude. A Christian author, you might know his name, Charles Swindoll, said this. 
He says, I believe that the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is the choice that I have in regards to my attitude. You see, our attitude reveals our character, reveals what we're like on the inside. Our attitude affects our relationships. Our attitude colors our environment. Our thinking and our beliefs are what form our attitudes and our attitudes are what affects the way we live, the way we behave, the way we face circumstances, the way we view life, past, present, and future. But one thing you're going to find out about mankind, including this one that stands before you, sometimes mankind has a lousy, stinking attitude. Have you ever said that to anybody? Your attitude stinks today. You know, it's just a bad attitude. What are you straight? You know what you need? You need an attitude adjustment. <laughs> you ever told somebody that? You need an attitude adjustment, and I'm the one that can probably give it to you. I heard that. <laughs> but when it comes to our attitudes, our attitudes are formed by our upbringing. It's informed by our experiences in life. And a lot of times, mankind has had stinking thinking from the neck up. And instead of managing our attitudes, we allow our attitudes to manage us. As a matter of fact, when you take a look at the scriptures, God doesn't have a lot of positive things to say about man's thinking. When you take up a concordance and you look up the words like mind, thinking, and things of this nature, when you run across those passages that deal with man's mind or man's thinking, they are not always positive. As a matter of fact, God says, as far as man's thinking is concerned, a lot of times it is really messed up. Paul put it this way by the inspiration of God. He says that since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. Have you ever wondered why we see such horrific things take place in our culture, not only in America but around the world? We've got a war being fought in Ukraine because of a depraved mind. Messed up mind. I want what you got. I want personal glory and self-satisfaction. And so he just took it upon himself to send his army into Ukraine. Bombing innocent lives. Thousands upon thousands are being killed daily. Why? Somebody has got a messed up mind. And when you got a messed up mind, it gets displayed in your speech and in your actions and in your attitude and in your behavior. That's the reason why God calls it a depraved mind. And when you remove yourself from God and when you remove yourself from the Word of God and you don't study and read the Word of God or want the knowledge of God, no wonder people's minds are messed up. 
No wonder their attitudes are not good. But you see, folks, if we're going to be pleasing to God, and I hope you want to be pleasing. Matter of fact, you're here, I believe, with all of my heart because you want to be pleasing to God. We're going to have to find a new way of thinking. In other words, we're going to have to let Jesus on a daily basis cross our minds. As Paul would put it in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 5. Have this attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now the reason why Paul says that in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 5 is because what he just got through saying to the church at Philippi in verses 1 through verse 4. What did he say to the church in Philippi in verses 1 through 4? Notice what he says. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and I hope you do, I I hope you feel encouraged by being united with Christ. If you have any comfort in his love, do do you experience any comfort in the love of God? What shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love. Do you find comfort in that? that there's absolutely nothing that you can do that would ever separate you from God's love. Now that doesn't mean God doesn't discipline and confront us in our sin because he does. He disciplines those that he what? Loves. If any fellowship with the Spirit. Do you understand that because we obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, one of the promises that you and I received by obeying the gospel is being is reception of the Spirit, that the Spirit dwells in us. And we have fellowship, intimate fellowship with God, with the Godhead through the Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy complete. Make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose towards one another. Towards one another. Have that same attitude, that one spirit towards one another and purpose. Then he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But listen to it. But in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And isn't that the life of Jesus? He did not look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. What was Jesus' primary interest? To do his Father's will. And to do it on behalf of others. Isn't that the reason why Jesus came? Yeah. What should be our desire? To do the will of God. And to do the will of God is to do what? Show compassion. Minister. Be one-minded in love and compassion towards others. But to do that, you know what you have to do? You have to be humble. And if you want a picture of what humility really looks like, 
Read about the life of Jesus. That's true humility pictured before us in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Notice Paul said, don't look at me, <laughs> look at Jesus. So if we're going to be able to change our thinking and ultimately change our attitudes, then we've got to become cross-minded. Have cross-minded thinking in everything that we say, everything that we do, whatever life that we live. Every aspect of our lives ought to be consumed by thoughts of the cross. Because what we think, how we believe, does affect our attitudes and how we behave. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says this, As a man thinks within himself, so is he. As a man thinks within himself, so is he. In other words, the proverb writer says, we become and we act just like we think, what we've set our minds on. In the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 5, Paul says this, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But... Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Whenever you hear the word doctrine, what comes to your mind? Do you want to hear doctrine? Some people told me, don't, don't teach me about Jesus, but don't teach me, don't, don't talk to me about doctrine. Doctrine is dry, doctrine is boring. But do you know what the word doctrine means? It means teaching. So if I'm going to teach you about Christ, what am I teaching you ultimately? Doctrine. <laughs> That's what doctrine is. Now if it's dry, if it's boring, ain't my fault. Because I have a responsibility as a gospel preacher to preach and to teach doctrine. And the reason why people's minds are messed up and they have bad, stinking attitudes sometimes is because they are not connecting with the doctrine, the teachings of Jesus Christ. So if you want your mind changed, then it needs to be renewed by the cross. That's the only way our attitudes can be changed into the likeness and even in, into the hum, humility style of Jesus himself. Paul puts it this way in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Set your minds, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on this earth. And that's where the battle rages, isn't it? The battle that rages between us and Satan is the battle for the mind. Who's going to capture my mind? Who's going to influence my mind? Because if you can influence the mind, you can influence a belief system. And you can influence attitudes. You get across, come across somebody that's got a stinking attitude, guess who they're being influenced by? It ain't God. <laughs> it's not Jesus. 
It's Satan. When we've got stinking thinking from the neck up. That's the reason why Paul tells them, whatever you do, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of an attitude did Jesus have? He was always cross-minded. Always. He did things in view of the cross that he was facing. He knew why he was here. He knew what his purpose was. And every time he dealt with somebody, he did it in view of the cross. Anytime he healed somebody, he did it in view of the cross. The promises he made about salvation, he did so in view of the cross. He touched people, had compassion on people. What shaped his mind? The cross. How about Paul? As Paul sits in prison, what is it that causes Paul in tough circumstances to tell the Christians at Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What causes Paul to tell the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. I mean, if there, wouldn't you think that if anybody had a right to complain and groan, it was Paul? But Paul says, I'm sitting in prison right now, and instead of griping and complaining about my situation, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to be glad that the gospel is still being furthered. Positive things. I can still see positive things taking place. Now there's a cross-minded individual. He was a man who at one time thought about nobody but himself. Paul. Paul says, you want to talk about degrees? I had them. I could put my degree up against anybody. You want to talk about pedigree and being a blue blood Jew? I was one of them. I was a blue blood. Matter of fact, the Bible says I was growing beyond my contemporaries. I was the champion of Judaism. Hot dog. I had possessions. I had position. I had power. It was all about me. And when I went about killing Christians and dragging, out, dragging them out of their homes, I did so with a complete good conscience. But he says that all changed when I came into a relationship with Jesus. And so Paul tells the church at Rome, he says, I want to tell you what I went through. What caused me to change my attitude and change my behavior in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, listen, let me tell you this. Whatever you do, do not allow yourselves to be conformed to this world. But be you transformed, listen to it, by the renewing of your minds. You see, I, if I'm going to live like Jesus and act like Jesus and humble myself like Jesus, and if I'm going to have a positive relationship in my marriage, and if I'm going to have a positive relationship with my kids, if I'm going to get along with my co-workers and be a good employee, if I'm going to deal with my finances properly, covers every aspect of my life, that I need to get a renewed mind. You want to take a look at your circumstances that you're in right now differently? Get a renewed mind. 
Become cross-minded. Humble yourself. And what is humility? Humility is submission. Submissing yourself to others. It's setting aside your wants and your desires to meet the needs and the desires of others. That's what humility is. And isn't that what Jesus did? No wonder Paul says, have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is the primary influence of our morals? What is the primary influence of the way we treat others? Paul says it should be the cross. Our minds should be cross-affected. You see, it was the scandal of the cross that was central to everything Paul considered Christ-like. The cross was. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It affected how he thought. It affected how he dealt with people. It affected his behavior. And it affected him in a positive way, even in difficult circumstances. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. When you take a look at the scriptures... That if you want to be a person that you want to be, that I hope that you want to be, it's going to take crossing your mind. Because when we get our thinking on the cross right, we are going to live lives that are right and not have the messed up thinking that those in the world have. When you think about Division, conflict. You know what Paul said was the answer to it? It was the cross. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talked about the fact that the church at Corinth was divided. They were in conflict, jealous and envious of one another. And Paul says, some of you guys have got pretritis. Some of you say, I'm of Paul, or some or say, I'm of Apollos. And some of you say, I'm of Peter. Those are the people that I follow. And Paul said, were any of those guys crucified for ye? No. Not to follow them, you're to follow Jesus. It's the cross that brings about the healing of division. When you talk about sexual problems, when you talk about homosexuality, transgender, are problems that we're having today. What's the answer to those problems? It's the cross. It's the cross, is it not? Yeah. Shacking up, living together. What's the answer to that? The cross. The Bible tells us that you and I have the Holy Spirit of God that was given to us. And since we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us that was given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ, guess how we are to conduct ourselves? Our bodies are to be used in a positive way to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do we as a country have a problem with racism and bigotry? Yeah. What's the answer to the divide? The cross. How do I know that? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 said that Jesus died on the cross 
to tear down the walls of bigotry and racism, making Jew and Gentile now one by the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you bitter? Are you bitter about things? Do you regret certain things? Do you have problems with other individuals? What's the answer? Well, to forgive. Forgive as God forgave you through Jesus Christ. You see, forgiveness was provided through what means? The cross. The cross. You want to have a great marriage? Then submit. Well, that's what the Bible says, the husband told his wife. You are to submit to me. I'm the head of the household. I am the top dog. And he asked his wife, sitting at the breakfast table, he says, you see this passage in the book of, book of Ephesians chapter 5 where it says you are to submit to me? Do you know what the word submit means? And she says, yes. He says, what does it mean? Well, she said, sub is something that goes under the water and a mitt is something you put on your hand. So it must mean that you're trying to be underhanded. Submit is nothing more than voluntarily ranking yourself under the needs of others. Is that what a wife is supposed to do to her husband? This is yes, this is no, and guys, be careful. It's what the Bible says. But do you know before you ever get to verse 25, there is a passage that comes before that verse 21 that says this submit to one another in the fear of Christ that's humility when a person chooses to bend the knee as it were and submit and serve others that's the act of humility isn't that what Jesus did for us isn't that what he displayed before the disciples on that fateful night in which he is going to be ultimately arrested, go through about six trials, and then ultimately tortured and crucified? And what did he do to his disciples? He went around to each one of their feet to wash their feet. And when he came to Peter, what did Peter say? Lord, you, you ain't washing my feet. I ain't having that. Jesus says, if, I don't, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then what did Peter say? Well, Lord, just give me a bath. <laughs> just wash me all over, head to foot. And if there was ever a person that could use some washing, it was Peter. Thank God for Peter. But that is the act of humility. And if you want your marriage not just to survive, but to thrive. Husbands, you need to submit to your wives to honor Jesus. Wives, you submit to your husbands to honor Jesus. That's what the word fear means, to honor, reverence, show respect for Jesus. Just don't do it for them. Do it to honor your God. Love them. Serve them. Seek to meet their needs every morning, every day, whether husband or wife. Can you imagine, folks, what our marriages would be like if I get up every day and I tell my wife, what is it that I can do? What need can I meet, 
today in your life? And what kind of a relationship am I going to have with, with Sherry if she would get up every day thinking one thing in her thought in her mind? I want to give my God glory by meeting the needs of my husband. What kind of, what kind of marriages would we have if both people would do that? Matter of fact, what kind of relationship would, would we have with our employees or our employers? What kind of relationship would we have in our school system? What kind of relationship would we have from country to country, even from state to state? If people operated with humility of mind, like Jesus did. I'm feeling better already. Have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. What was that attitude like? We ain't going to talk about it today. We'll talk about it next Sunday, Lord willing. So I hope you'll come back because Paul has got a lot to say about the attitude of Jesus as far as being cross-minded that we need to allow to consume our lives so that we can have better attitudes and allow the cross-mindedness of Jesus to color our environment, whether it's here, whether it's on the job, whether it's at school, no matter where it might be. Allow the mind of Christ, the attitude of Jesus, to become your attitude. I guarantee you, folks, if we'll do that... <laughs> The world in which we live is going to be a far, far better one than the one we have.